all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Indeed. Special, we're almost to the end of tax season edition (laughs) of All Bad Things. I feel really badly because this is one of the disasters I've wanted to do. And... Well, we're we're doing it. No, I know. (laughs) It's just that it it happened on April 15th. Mm Mm-hmm. April 15th is tax day. <laughs> is, is it also tax day in the UK? Do you even know? So, he, here's what I recently found out. It is not tax day in the United Kingdom because, um, so you know how our tax year falls in line with the calendar year? Yes. Meaning only the income mm-hmm. you report generally for most people is in the calendar year. Guess what it is in the UK from my understanding? Do they have like a fiscal year? Yeah, April 6th to April 5th is their fiscal year. Isn't that bizarre? It's a little weird. Super random. Like, not even in line with a month. So, I don't know. Akshay is going to have to explain that to me. Uh, Yes, actually, if you need your taxes done, unfortunately, you can't call Rachel. No, I can't. I'm not qualified (laughs) to do UK taxes. Um, Akshay, who also has a girlfriend. Just saying. Okay. Well, because that's a new development to my knowledge. Oh, okay. But good for him. Very much so. Yes. Um, if anyone, this is actually a legitimate, um, request, any international listeners, please feel free to contact me regarding taxation in your, in your country. I am very interested to learn, compare and contrast taxation systems. That will only help with your eventual tax policy that you'll be doing for AOC. That's right. That's right. Hashtag killing it. Um, but yeah, so... (laughs) I'm falling apart very quickly (laughs) because um, today that we're recording is April 12th, which is the Friday before the Monday when literally everyone's taxes are due or they'll be assessed a late penalty for filing and or paying. And (laughs) it's miserable. You need to say it like like the Schitt's Creek lady. Um, Moira Rose? Moira. Like how so? Say what? Like what? Tax season's almost done. And David. <laughs> oh, that's the sister. No, Moira says it too. Oh. No, it's like, David. That's, um, that's what's her name? Al- yeah, Alexis. We haven't watched it in a while because we, we just drudged right through all four seasons. They're, um, they're, they're, they're airing their last season and that's that. Yeah, we'll check it's it out. So, so sad to say goodbye to all of the Schitt's Creek family there. Nice. I'm, oh God, I went to therapy today and I, <laughs> I fucking rambled. I was like, I don't even know what to tell you to my therapist. She's like, that's okay. <laughs> what? I'm just thinking your therapist probably saw her therapist after she saw you. She would have to. <laughs> <laughs> I would think. Um, but anyway, focus, Rachel, focus, focus. Um, hocus pocus. Some by focus. focus. <laughs> um, Some housekeeping, Um, please keep up the live tweeting. The live tweets are like Tinkerbell's 
like people believing in fairies to me. I love, I I love the live tweeting. It's so much fun. And it's not uh, now. Well, um, admittedly, Emily is still like our number one live tweeter. Um, Other people have started kind of joining in and I am here for it. So please feel free to live tweet. I love it. It's like, I must be just incredibly narcissistic, but also, also, what did we, what did I get in the mail to, uh, this week? You David? received something from our, uh, mail carrier friend. Yes. Our female mail carrier, Teddy. Yes. Um, so we have gotten to the point. So it started out in this podcasting journey where we were just excited if someone other than us or our immediate friends and family listened to the podcast. Right, that was like the Pretty step much. one. Yeah, and I don't even think they do. Or ever <laughs> no, really no. did. <laughs> like two or three people we know yeah. actually even and give a shit about our podcast. And that's really it. Shout out to Aubrey; she's a loyal listener. But um, uh, then we got to the point where people actually started communicating with us, which is amazing. And then, like the next step was that people requested things of us like signed scripts yeah, which signed is scripts i was like okay. still available by the way we got plenty request um and then we have finally reached the next step of listeners sending us gifts sending us things which yes. is amazing um and teddy was the first so she sent me specifically me remember you also sent somebody else 50 dollars for a recipe that they made i did do that once but that was just to be to, <laughs> to stay honest yeah, that was that was a stupid thing for me to do, <laughs> to have offered. But at least I followed. But it through. was it, it was it was like the it was like a radio contest. Yeah, like, basically, oh, for, there you go. <laughs> basically, fifty bucks. I did. I I made yes. good on it. Um, but Teddy sent me a beautiful hat pin. It is pretty cool. It is. I'm gonna put a picture. I haven't seen up. one of those in a while, but I know that they were very. I'm not uh, sure I've ever seen one. I mean, like in I person. My, I think my grandmother had one. Really? Yes. Yeah, because so ladies used to yeah. secure their hats to their hairdos mm-hmm. with these hairpins. Um, Teddy had also asked me what my favorite color was, and sure enough, it. it's this beautiful turquoise blue because that is my favorite color. Um, and sent like a whole explanation on the, um, the order of the hat pin basically. And there was a dollop episode about this. I think she said it was, was there? Uh, yeah, she said it was like episode, oh, episode two, two thirteen mashers and hat pins, which I don't think I've okay. heard of, heard I've, that one. So I need I to listen, listen to, to it. That one. Um, but basically, uh, As women were doing more things on their own, like taking public transportation or without escorts, you know, like men coming with them and allowing them to be in a space, but women were actually um, finding their own ability to conduct their own business in the world, um, there's always been assholes. And that included men who would like make advances or worse assault or whatever. So women learned to uh, fight back with something as simple as a hairpin. Yeah. Which these, these fuckers are pretty uh, if you, sharp. If and, you get that in somebody's eye, they're, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, and the way, uh, the way Teddy puts it is because sometimes people just need stabbing. And I agree <laughs> with that. 
And she she says she would know being a <laughs> being a mail carrier. Oh yes. She also says, and the, the most complimentary thing that I just thought was very sweet. She says, "Women who use their talents to impede those who live to annoy others are now members of this order, meaning the hat pin or order of the hat pin." So she inaugurated me. Isn't that the sweetest thing? It is very sweet. I love it. I absolutely love it. And then um, Lee is sending us a signed copy of his book, which is awesome. uh, Hardcover. Yes. Yes. Um, So if you haven't already, support Lee and also read an awesome book um, by buying So Others May Live. It's on Amazon. We got Mm -hmm. our copy from Amazon. I have read one chapter because the rest of my time is spent preparing people's taxes, but we are going on vacay next week, and I'm going to bring that with us. That's what I was planning to do. Oh, okay. Hopefully the hardcover will get here so we we each have have our own copy. Exactly, exactly. Because when you go to the beach, for some reason... You don't specifically enjoy it, which I still don't understand, but that's okay. Oh, to yeah, each their no, own. Not my favorite. But I'm like, well, we have Lee's book, mm-hmm. so it'll give each of us, because there's times where I just feel like vegging out, but yeah. not necessarily just looking at the ocean the whole time. See, that's what doing, I don't get. It's really boring. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I go out and, you know, like body surf and bodyboard and play frisbee and that kind of so i'm usually doing shit when Mm -hmm. i'm at the beach i'm usually not just sitting around right but uh this will give me a good excuse to sit around there you go and just lounge yeah yeah it's good just and just become become one with the sand (laughs) there you go there you go so um let me see was there anything else i feel like i'm forgetting something oh hello abby she likes it when we pay attention to her. Hello. <laughs> I, I, hope, I mean that complimentarily. I know I, you know that, Abby. I hope you enjoyed my Steely Dan reference today. Oh, I didn't like see that, did. so I'm going to have to look, look <laughs> at that. Yes. Um, and Abby's mom, too. Hi, Abby's mom. Hello, Abby's mom. All right. So we just talked for like 10 minutes about frivolous nonsense because... This is going to get really bad really fast, yeah. and it's not going to get better. Um, no. This is going to be a two-parter. We've already kind of um, given that information out before. David is covering the first part, and I am covering the second. But today, if you are listening to this episode the day it came out, April 15th of this year, um, this is the 30th anniversary of this disaster. We could and not pass up the opportunity. It just to happened it. to fall on the day that we release our yes, we couldn't pass fall on a Monday. Up. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, this, we watched the 30 for 30 on this together. Yes. Or, no, like, separately. Separately, but very in very within close, like yeah. a couple of days of each other because you were like you've got to see this yeah i was just like this is horrible yes yes it is. oh oh really quickly um and randomly but something else that i saw that was very good um was uh, a, a documentary on amazon prime called uh death of a child <laughs> i know i'm not laughing at the death of children i am laughing at like how much i'm saying this is so good but it has such a morbid title um, I do not recommend it for parents, especially of young children. I imagine it would be just a little too much to take. So trigger warning, going to give a quick description. It's about parents who have, who have had young children die because they accidentally left them in the car. But I will say, here's why you're laughing. Cause I like I'm stuff trying, like this. I'm trying not to like, as if this episode couldn't get any, I know, like, let's but talk, here's the thing. Let's talk about children dying in cars. Basically my favorite documentary ever is after Tiller, 
which is that's, that's a pretty good it's one. It's an amazing documentary. And it's pretty just it's sickening. It but, really but, is. But, but what anyway. it does is it really like what it did for me and what I think great documentaries can do is it like opened my eyes to feeling compassion for people in very difficult circumstances that have been miscast basically, or judged in a certain way. And I feel like Death of a Child does the exact same thing. So why are you laughing? This is, I'm being just, very serious. Yes, it's just... All right. It's like we have enough depressing, okay. depressing All right. things we'll in this episode. All right, beers. But, but seeing as how we just left dead children, we're going to get on to dead fans. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am drinking the limited release and recently limitedly released... <laughs> I think that was a sentence. Um, Brewprint Brewing Company out of Apex, North Carolina. Coconut Lime Sour. Yes. It is an excellent... It ex- is delicious. I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it on the show before. Probably. Probably this time last year. Probably, yes. How about you? I am having the Catawba, which is out of Asheville. Mm-hmm. Asheville. The uh, Peanut Butter Jelly Time, mm-hmm. which is delicious. Yes, we've definitely mentioned that and before. Thank you for letting me have this one. You're welcome. I found three random cans. Like, one was gone from the four-pack at Total Wine. So, yeah, it's so a find. that is just a nonchalant way of saying, we're about to get into this episode. It's very dark. It's very depressing. Uh, if you are at home not driving and just kind of lounging around, we encourage you, Get a drink of some sort, whatever floats your boat. Unless unless you're a recovering alcoholic, in which well, case... Well, obviously, don't do it <laughs> then. But if you're not a recovering alcoholic and you just you know want to kick back and not relax so much, then you know, pour whatever If you, you want to relax, you probably just shouldn't be listening to this right now. That too, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, serious time begins because, you know... Moment of silence 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's... So... All right. Let's do it. On April 15th, 1989, an FA Cup semifinal match took place between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest at Hillsborough Stadium in Sheffield, England. Kickoff was set for 3 p.m., and fans were advised to begin lining up for their seats 15 minutes beforehand. At approximately 3.05 p.m., the match was stopped as a fatal human crush began spilling match attendees onto the playing surface. By the end of the chaos, the crush would claim 96 lives and lead to 766 injuries. Yeah, this That's, yeah. This story sucks. If you know of this story, I, I'm assuming a lot of people who listen to this probably know about this. You it, know how much it sucks. It's a very famous disaster. If you have never heard of this... It's going to get bad. Uh... Yeah. This is a bad one. Keep that bottle of uh, like Jack Daniels by your side. <laughs> well, and there's a there's a reason we're breaking it into two parts, aside from it being just a very, uh, every da- disaster is significant, but a very historically like significant disaster is because it's really the story of two separate tragedies. Yes. Um, the one very that we're covering so. today being the actual disaster and the other being probably the closest we'll get to true crime. Because mm-hmm. it's, I would say, there was. I mean, we've covered disasters before, like um, the um, the factory collapse in. I was still oh, covered uh, it. Bangladesh. Yes, yeah, so I was going right? to say yes. Yep. Yeah, um, like that really corrupt um, building owner mm-hmm. uh, who tried to run away, like yes. literally abscond over the border. So there, we've definitely covered negligence. This 
goes this farther. This goes a little bit further than negligence. This goes farther. So next yeah. week I'm going to be covering that part of it. And, and yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's, this is an infuriating disaster. The second part is the first part's just really well, I, tragic. I think both parts are, but I, I agree. The second part, which you'll get into, mm-hmm. um, I honestly think is worse than. And it's ongoing. I yes, mean, like it, it ha- it's 30 years later and it hasn't stopped. Yeah. So, okay. Proceed. So, how did we get here? Why is there a game taking place in 1989 between these two football clubs at Hillsborough Stadium? So, I figured, let's go into the history of the the stadium, the city, and a little bit on the club teams, not too much. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when you go into your narrator voice, you start talking like this. Of course. No, but it's... Because my my alter ego is Kent Kent Brockman from The Simpsons. I've never seen The Simpsons. But... (laughs) Uh, well, that's not true. Saw the saw the debut episode. Bart ran around naked, and my parents said no more of that. We thought it was a cute cartoon. We're never watching this again, and we never did. But you may want to just get closer to the mic when you go into your narrator voice. That's all. Okay. Kent Brockman here. Yeah. <laughs> so how did we get here? So let's start with the venue itself, where this whole thing took place. Well, because the venue was very key. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Hillsborough Stadium in Sheffield, home of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club, was selected like, by the... It didn't happen on Wednesdays. They were called Wednesday. That was their yes, name? Yes. Oh, okay. Just get used to weird <laughs> okay. uh, European, how they name their sports teams. Okay. Like I, okay. I'm just like, here in, well, here in North America, uh, for the, well, in Canada and the United States anyway, mm-hmm. you have a city, a state, or a region. Right. And then you have a nickname, and then right. and then that's it. Right. Like there's and no. And it's not days of the week. There's no usually. days of the week. There's no uh, you know FCs or BCs because that's all. There know, are we, highly offensive terminology, yes. but but other than that, people understand that you're a baseball <laughs> club. Like you don't need to put it on. You know. Right. Yeah. That's that's true. We don't. We don't. We it's do not. not like um, the Buffalo Bills football team. It's football the Bills. club. Or yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so yes, this is the home stadium of Sheffield Wednesday, and there's also another uh, team in that city as well, which in we'll Sheffield? get into. Okay. Which we'll get into a little later. Um, so the stadium was selected by the Football Association as the neutral host of the FA Cup semifinal match in 1989. So FA being Football Association. Football Association. So yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get into all the, the leagues hierarchy. and how it because we kind of covered that. We in did a little bit Bradford City or and like I something. S- Yes, in that one we okay. did. Okay. Um, I still don't fully understand it. No, so it's it's weird. If you're an international listener, you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, they know so much better than we do. Yes. People understand cricket in other countries. That's They're true. basically geniuses. And I'll, I'll never understand that either. No. So this was the fifth time in the decade uh, this venue hosted a semifinal FA Cup match. And it was also a rematch of the 1988 FA Cup semifinal between the two, uh, the same two clubs, being Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, um, where there was also a reported crush. Oh. We'll get into that a little later. Okay. Liverpool would go on to win the semifinal 2-1 to one and lose in the final to Wimbledon FC 1-0. Nil meaning zero. Zero. Okay. Hillsborough Stadium commonly referred to as Hillsborough, mm-hmm. is located in a suburb of Sheffield called Owlerton. So I have one bit of context, like, mentally for Sheffield. 
One of my favorite movies is The Full Monty. <laughs> I have seen it once. I thought it was funny. It's a great yeah. movie. It's not only funny, but it's sweet. Like, it's a sweet yeah, movie kinda about is. kind of like yes, about, empowerment. Well, about uh, not being ashamed of your body. Exa- yes. That's kind of what I got There's a lot of, of body acceptance yeah. in it, which is amazing. And just... But, but doing it through the filter of comedy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite parts is when he's, uh, anyway, I'll I'll stop describing this movie, but watch the full Monty if you haven't. But that took place in Sheffield and kind of the idea, because I think that movie came out in like 97 or something, but it was about, yes, it, it was like these guys were unemployed because it was like a boom and bust town. It had, um, it was, they were steel workers who got laid off. I get into that a little bit. Okay. Sorry. Didn't mean to steal your thunder. Stop stepping on my toes. I'm Ken Brockman. <laughs> okay. That's not funny to me because I have no idea what you're saying. I'm just joking okay. around. So the venue is sandwiched between Hillsborough Park and the River Don. During the 1898-1899 season, what? Sheffield, <laughs> Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday were informed that the site they had been playing in, Olive Grove, was needed for railway expansion. No. Sheffield Wednesday had <clears throat> excuse me, been playing its matches there, meaning Olive Grove, since 1887. So this is like a 100-year-old-plus club? Well, um, soccer slash football right. goes back about as far as baseball does here. Baseball okay. uh, comes to being like just before the Civil War. It's and, our which oldest is, sport, yes. basically, of our big sports, right? The oldest sport... Like competitively, period is golf, I believe. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but yes, uh, American baseball, uh, European football, well, football, mm-hmm. uh, go back around the same around like the eighteen sixties, late eighteen fifties. Wow. They go both those sports go back that far. It's almost two hundred years at this point. Uh, it's coming up on it. It will yeah. be by the time we're uh, about to retire. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers crossed for socialism <laughs> to kick in in our country. Go ahead. So they had been playing in Olive Grove since 1887. Wow. James Willis Dixon, owner of the silversmiths James Dixon and Sons, offered oh. a 10-acre site in Owlerton because, again, they have to move the team. They have to move the site of where they're playing because, because they're of build railroad, railroad expansion. Yeah. The site was part of the Hillsborough House estate, which was being sold off by the Dixons. Soil was dumped at both ends of the site to level off the ground, and the 2,000-capacity stand at Olive Grove was then transported to the new... St- to the new site, which was also joined by a 3,000-capacity stand. Okay. The first match played at Hillsborough Stadium was on September 2nd, 1899. My God! So, by the time this disaster happened, this stadium was up and running for 90 years? Uh, yes. That's crazy. That's wild. I was almost going to say 80, but yes, you're correct. 90 years. Um, just short of its 90th birthday. Wow. I mean, really, just about five months before. That's amazing. Um, so yes, on September second, eighteen ninety nine, Sheffield Wednesday uh, played Chesterfield, with Sheffield Wednesday winning five to one. A series of expansions saw the stadium reach a capacity of what it is now, which is thirty nine thousand seven hundred thirty two. Wow. And there's also at the moment there is a planned renovation which will increase capacity to forty four thousand eight hundred twenty five, but that has not been approved yet. I, wait, do you know what that where that puts it is like it. That sounds like a lot of people to me. 
but is that... That seemed small to me, really? so I didn't look up what it was. Well, because some football stadiums are massive, right? Like oh, yes. 100 plus? Wembley Stadium. Okay. I mean, yep. Wembley Stadium has got to be 80,000, 90,000, I would think. Okay. Um, well, I mean, it's a. it seems like a regional field as opposed to some sort of giant national, like like Wembley. Everyone recognizes the name Wembley. To me, I like after researching this uh, tragedy and especially doing some research on the stadium. To me, it seems to be like the Wrigley Field of the UK. Like it's so a, it's an old and, historic stadium. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the best capacity. Doesn't have the best, but it's old. But it's, it's significant. Been there, yes, it's yeah. been there forever. It's like a landmark. Pretty yeah. much, yes. Yeah. Um, I would say if we're ever in the UK, I would want to go here, but no, not after doing all yeah. this research. I no. The venue is known for its diverse sections of seating, which you can see on oh. uh, a lot of different YouTube stuff. They um, There's not only uh, footage of the tragedy itself on YouTube. Right. There's also footage of uh, the Just renovation, the reconstruction, uh, the history mm-hmm. of the stadium itself, which I watched, which was right. pretty interesting. Right, because this stadium is so old yes. that... This was just one event that happened there. It's probably the event for which it's, it's best the most known, famous. But, but yeah. yes, but or it was infamous, yeah. this venue was famous before this, mm-hmm. it, at least uh, in terms of the UK. Right. Um, so the venue is known for its diverse sections of seating. There's the original North Stand, which I mentioned before, which was the uh, they actually three thousand. No, oh, that, no, okay. the two thousand capacity stand is what they moved. They oh. built the 3,000 capacity mm-hmm. stand. But but still like in 1899 yes. or whatever. So yeah. it was innovative at the time it was built for having facilities for both men and women. Facilities meaning restrooms? Yes. Okay. Or loos. Yes. Yes. I was trying to think of that. That is, that is what they call it. <laughs> it was the first stand in the country to run the entire length of the pitch and is famous for having just oh. one of two cantilevered sections in British soccer stadiums. The cantilevered section was added in 1961, so a okay. roof. There's oh. a roof oh, over okay. that. okay, gotcha, yeah. But it's, you know what cantilevered yes. is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like not su- giant supporting mm-hmm. columns or something, yeah. No, I know it because in um, whatever whatever it's called, World's Most Extraordinary Homes, there's lots of cantilevering. Oh, yeah. It's oh, a yeah. very stunning architectural feature. It is. We will have a cantilevered uh, back deck one day. Mm, that I would hope. be awesome. It would be cool. Anyway. Okay, do you think we can get HOA approval for <laughs> Probably not. Nah. We'll, uh, I think we'll, we'll try to submit our, uh, our uh, request into uh, Queer Eye to get oh, that done. Oh, there we go. We'll, we'll suggest it to Bobby. They, they, can, they can get it done. Yeah. Yeah. They Bob, can get through all the red tape. Bobby, we know you're listening. Oh, yes. Make it happen for you us. You know Bobby Burke is secretly like a... Um, disaster fan. <laughs> <laughs> so there is also the West Stand, and I, I honestly I encourage people to look up what this stadium looks like because every section of the stadium is different. That's interesting because usually they're very symmetrical. Yes, they are now. Stadiums nowadays are built that but way. This but this was built over time. Mm-hmm. Oh as yeah, a there's historic venue. There have been like uh, a, literally, I'm not even exaggerating, like a dozen renovations on the stadium wow, yeah. since it was first built. So it's gone through a lot. But that's the cool thing about it is like every, any place you sit is going to be completely different. Yeah, from, that is interesting. So, like a patchwork. Kinda, yeah. yes. Um, so we have the uh, West Stand, which is also known as Lepping's Lane. Oh, I know that. I know that. We'll get into that. Oh yes. In my research, Lepping's Lane comes out every like five seconds in the documentaries I've watched. So yeah. 
There is the Spion Cop. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I don't know how spion? else you It looks like it. Scion, except with a P. Yeah. Spion Cup? So anyway, cup. Uh, that is a hill that became famous in World War I, uh, where the stands were built into it. There oh, is the, kind of like, um, isn't uh, Clemson, don't they have like a hillside they do. That's, mm-hmm. that's seating? Stands yeah. are built yeah. right into it, yep. And that's what they run down when the, when right, the game starts. Right, There's the northwest corner, the okay. cop corner, and the southwest corner, which is also known as the stadium control area. The unique seating areas and the history of the stadium itself makes the venue a popular host for league, national, and international matches. Mm. It was a venue for the 1966 FIFA World Cup, as well as the 1996 Euro Cup. So it hosted a World Cup? Yes, it okay. has. Yep. Okay. The last time it was in England, I believe, was, yeah, 1966. It's been that long, really? Yeah, has not been back there since. Well, I guess there's there's many, many countries that are way into football, and it only happens every four years, but mm-hmm. it's still... F- it's been I don't a while. Know. I, I, guess, I guess I associate soccer, football, with... England first, for some reason. Although I, I do, I, I associate it with so Mexico many. first. Yeah, really. it, fair enough. There's, it could, you could call it Brazil. You could call mm-hmm. it basically any country but America, except for us and Canada. <laughs> Canada, yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is super into it. Where yeah. we just have our kids play it and then switch over to other sports when they get in like middle school. Uh, not so much anymore. I mean, yeah, we missed the World Cup this past this past go around, but. The amount of kids that we have playing it now, it's only, it, it will eventually result in. Do you think? I mean, not I us feel becoming like not us becoming a powerhouse per se, but at more least popular. a but no, a consistently good team, which is what we were for about twenty know. years. Yeah, I kind of know. The, kids have been playing soccer since I was little, mm-hmm. and we're not seeing the effects of that. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm talking about the, the generation coming oh, up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if climate change doesn't kill them off. <laughs> So, uh, that is the uh, fun facts about the stadium itself. Nice. And again, I advise people to go on YouTube and watch to videos get a visual, about it. Yeah. Yes, get, yeah. a, get an idea mm-hmm. of uh, how this happens. Because again, because um, we were talking about this last week, the UK is so small compared to the United States. Yes, yes. So, uh-huh. the, the best way I could kind of uh, explain it to myself was, okay, imagine if the United States... Um, had just this one sport that was located in the Northeast, and that was it. And every city had like three or four or five teams. Just area-wise, yes, yeah. That's kind of how it's yeah. set up. Like, yeah. like, um, like New York City, like if this was, if you're going to compare this to how New York City functions, right. New York City would have a Manhattan team, right. a Long Island team. A, every borough uh, would have a team. Yes, or a Bronx whatever, team, yeah. a Brooklyn mm-hmm. team, and that's kind of how I feel it. And a Staten Island team. Yes, the exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like, um, and please, somebody out there, correct me if I'm wrong, international. That, I feel like that's how it's set up. Okay. It's like it's uh, neighborhoods. Because the stadium is literally, it's in the middle of a fucking neighborhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just there. Yeah, and that, that does happen here, too. Uh, um, Dolphin Stadium is <laughs> in the middle of my The only my two length. places I've kind of seen it happen mm-hmm. are Green Bay and Buffalo. Green Bay, the stadium is literally like in the middle of a neighborhood. Like people can see it from the house, yeah. Yes. Well, Wrigley is the same way. I'm Speaking sh- yeah, of Wrigley. Yeah, that's true. So is Fenway. People, yeah. like, can, uh, there are tops of buildings that people, that people sell, hang out on. Yeah. sell seats mm-hmm. to. Because <laughs> you can that's see true. inside, yeah. And going to games in uh, in Buffalo, uh, you go through a res- residential neighborhood. And then, I know. And then We've all of a sudden, then all of a sudden there's a stadium. You're like, yes, it is. shit. Yep. Yep. 
I didn't I didn't uh, turn into a pillar of salt or anything when going to <laughs> Ralph Wilson Stadium, even though uh, I was born and raised in Miami. So anyway. So anyway. <laughs> we're just delaying the inevitable. Yes, we, we are. So um, on to Sheffield, England. All right. So Sheffield is a city in metropolitan borough in South Yorkshire. South Yorkshire. England. Yorkshire pudding. Which was founded just recently on August 10th, 1297. (laughs) You know what? That's the stereotypical American thing. We are not used to things being old. (laughs) No, we're not used to, because there's nothing, I think Plymouth Rock is as far back as we go, kind of, or Columbus, which technically isn't really even true. We go go to Old old Salem. We go to like 1632 and like, that's it. That's as far back as we go. We go visit Winston-Salem, go to Old Salem. We're like, oh my God, this building was built in 120 years ago (laughs) and it's still here. Wow. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, yes, exactly. Uh, so the city yep. is located pretty much in the center of the country. Oh, okay. Its okay. name derives from the River Sheaf, which flows northward through the city, through the entire city, actually. Okay. Um, the city proper population of Sheffield is 577,800 wow. as of 2017, with a metropolitan area of 1,569,000. That's so sizable. For, that the, is for sizable. England, yes. Yeah. I think England has, what, like... 25 oh, million I don't people? even know the population of the like whole country. Get back to me on London's that. London's huge. I know yes. that. I don't think the population of the UK is all that big. Well, I mean, not compared to the US. We mm-hmm. have a third of a billion people. Yeah, that's true. But we're the country is also geographically larger. That makes sense. But. So the city is in the eastern foothills of the Pennines. I hope oh. I'm pronouncing that right. Pennines. 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 <laughs> And the, and the valleys of Pennines. Yeah. Anyway, Pennines. Yeah, it might be Pennines. Okay. Help, British people. <laughs> in the valleys of the River Don and its four tributaries, which are the Loxley, the Porter Brook, the Rivelin, and the Sheaf. Rivelin. Yes, Rivelin, not Ritalin. No, oh, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> 61% of Sheffield's entire area is green space, and oh, a third nice. of the city lies within the Peak, National, Peak District National Park. That's really nice. That sounds very nice. There are more than 250 parks, woodlands, and gardens in the city, which is estimated to contain around 4.5 million trees. So, yeah. You can breathe well in Sheffield. Yes, you can. You can breathe in the gray sun that hangs over your country. <laughs> You've always had a thing about That's just not- what I think about when I think of England. I just think of gray skies. I don't know why that is. But I do know why that is. Well, because there's a fair amount of London fog and the the whole rain thing. Yeah, I get I just, it, but... I want to visit England, but I would never want to stay, I don't You think. get so goddamn grumpy when it's dark for a few days. Like legit like i we need to get you like a happy light or something <laughs> because it gets really old really goddamn fast sometimes i'm sorry it's kind of like tax season for me <laughs> <laughs> touche my friends so sheffield played a crucial role in the industrial Revo- revolution which is probably why it's so populated okay with many significant inventions and technologies developed in the city <clears throat> In the 19th century, the city saw a huge expansion of its traditional cutlery trade when stainless steel and crucible steel were developed locally, fueling an almost tenfold increase in the population. So there you go. I say crucible. You say you? crucible. I do. 
I read I read the crucible. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Oh, okay. I'm, I don't know why I'm always a crucible person. I've never heard it pronounced that way. Really? No. Hmm. Anyway. Oi. <laughs> so Sheffield received its municipal charter in 1843, mm. becoming, becoming the city of Sheffield in 1893. Okay. International competition in iron and steel caused a decline in these industries in the 1970s and 80s, as it kind of did worldwide. Yeah, the depression, the, the downfall yes. of steel production, yeah. Um, th- that also coincides with, uh, at that time in the 70s, the British, not the mark, what am I trying to say? What, what was sure. their currency? Oh, the pound. pound. The British pound it at that time. It is their currency. But at, at that time, it was uh-huh. the world currency, and that got switched to the American dollar. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. So that caused a big... Yes. Oh, wow. And a huge economic mm-hmm. upheaval, I can oh, imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this also coincided with the collapse of coal mining in the area mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but the 21st century has seen extensive redevelopment in Sheffield, along with other British cities, like London, for sure. Oh, London yeah. is right now the most expensive city in the world, I believe, as far as oh, real estate. Oh, I think... It's either the city? most or it's right there. there. I know that there are, like, Singapore is horribly expensive, Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say it's London is at the really? moment at the top. It might be. Yes. But it, I that is... That is at or near the top of the list for me in places I want to go. Yes, I definitely, definitely want to go to London. London. Yeah, and ride. I want to ride the eye. And you I, know, I, I love a Ferris wheel. Well, they actually have one of these in Sheffield too. Yeah. It's not as big as the one in London, but uh, Sheffield is also the home of Def Leppard. <laughs> so I would go see the important it. things. I would just go see it just for that. Okay. Yes. Step inside. Walk this way. You, you and, and me, me babe. babe. Hey, hey. <laughs> The city also has a long sporting heritage, of course. Natch. And is home to the world's oldest football club, which is Sheffield FC. Oh, so not Wednesday. Not, not to be confused with Sheffield Wednesday. Okay, so they have multiple football clubs. They do. Okay. Um, I bet they're called, one's called, the one that's just Sheffield is called Sheffield. The other one's called Wednesday. Probably. I would guess that. That's literally the only yes. thing that defines yeah. them or distinguishes them. Who are you rooting for? Sheffield. Which, Wednesday. Which one, might? <laughs> <laughs> that was horrific. <laughs> yes, I'm That sure was terrible was. and you also sounded Australian. <laughs> Damn, I did. I said might. mate. Mate, didn't I? Mate. I but mean, it works. Is, yeah. But, but right? it, well. Right, actually. Right. <laughs> Actually, he's like, I don't know you guys. He's cringing right now. He's probably already he's probably already changed it to mm-hmm. something else. So games between the two professional clubs, <clears throat> excuse me, are known as the Steel City Derby. Okay, that's kind of like the the Subway Series when sure. the Mets and the Yankees mm-hmm. play each other. Is it obnoxious that we always relate things that aren't American to something that is American? Well, yeah, because let us know, a, international listeners. It's our only point of reference. Yeah, so. but anyway, but this is the only country we've ever lived in. That is true. <laughs> so, um, the city is also home to the Sheffield Steelers. Finally, a normal <laughs> sports team name. You say it's normal just because we have a Steelers too in America. I'm saying it's normal just because it's normal. It's the name <laughs> of the city, and it's a nickname. They're older, so what's normal is isn't it what was established first? No, not in my eyes. Precedent counts for something. The Sheffield Steelers. Mm-hmm. Are the UK's first professional ice hockey team. Oh, nice. And again, 
finally a normal name. It took ice hockey to come to England for you guys to get your shit together. Oh, shut up. You're welcome. You're being so American. You're being such a yank right now. I could be, since I'm promoting hockey, being so Canadian, which I am. Oh, shout out to Zach again. Oh, yes. It's hockey. That's all that I have to say. Yes. It's hockey time. I did go to the game. Well, not to the game. I went to the, uh, <laughs> yeah, went to the, the parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were many parties for the Hurricanes last night because we finally made the playoffs after a 10-year absence. Fortunately, they lost, but no big deal. It was fun. And there was no crush, thank God. But trust me, because <laughs> I thought about it the whole time I was out, because I've been doing research on this. Oh, like, yeah. what if something... Were you it in wasn't a going area? to. Oh, yeah. Oh. But it wasn't crazy crowded. Yeah. But it was... Yeah. That was kind of running through my mind. Like, what if something like Anytime, this happened tonight? I'm with you. Anytime I'm in a crowded place now, like, that's the first thing I think of. That's why I had a panic attack when we went to that Bill's Backers bar in Nashville. So the area now occupied by the city of Sheffield is believed to have been inhabited, inhabited, sorry, inhabited, inhabited, since at least the late Upper Paleolithic era, about 12,800 years (laughs) ago. Oh my God. The earliest evidence of human occupation in the Sheffield area was found at Creswell Crags to the east of the city. In the Iron Age, the area became the southernmost territory of the Panine tribe called the Brigantes. It is this tribe who are thought to have constructed several hill forts in and around Sheffield. Wow. So That's amazing. Not a very old city at oh, all. No, it just goes no. back to the beginning of time, basically. Literal actual <laughs> not, human not time. Not literally, but yeah. It's when, when prehistoric. We lear- when we learn to stand upright <laughs> time. Ah, uh, so. I think you turned prematurely. I did. I did. So now we're going to go into... So now we have the city. Yeah, that's, that was really interesting, too. We have the it was venue. interesting to learn about Sheffield. I don't... And again, I kind of left out the information on the clubs because Liverpool... Yeah. And... Um, Nottingham Forest. Do not actually play in the city and stadium, so... Right, they're not part of the history of the stadium. Not necessarily. I will it. get into a little bit of Liverpool later on. Okay. Because... Their um, reputation gotcha. uh, will lead into the second half of our story. Shout out to Moira, um, who's not listening, but that's fine. Um, my bandmate Rich's wife, they are from England, um, and she is definitely a Liverpool fan to the point where she starts Facebooking at like 7 o'clock in the morning about everything that's happening in the Liverpool matches because... On a Saturday, that's what you have to do if you're a British soccer fan is in the United to States. watch it. Yeah, in the United States is to get up that early to watch it. It's like they, when we were they in also st- have a literal Liverpool shrine. Yes, in their home. Yes, you are correct about that. that I still want to go and watch a Liverpool game with them at seven thirty on a Saturday morning. But <laughs> they probably just don't want to have me over. Exactly. Exactly. So. Like what happens every time we cover a fire or a plane crash or mm-hmm. there are always there's you have to have the right ingredients. Yes. It's never just one thing. No. Mm-hmm. So we're about to get into some of the ingredients of the okay. stadium with previous crushes that have occurred oh, here. That's right. You alluded to that earlier. So a crush occurred at the Leppings Lane end. Uh-huh. Of the ground during the 1981 semifinal between Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> which also had a, has a brand new, awesome-looking stadium, because nice. when I was researching it, that came up. Okay, so cool. It looks pretty cool. I want to go there. 
I'll go there. I'll go to that stadium. I won't okay. go to Hillsborough because okay. that's... Poor association. Yeah. So between Tottenham Hotspur... Tottenham Hotspur. And Wolver, Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's a <laughs> that's really... Cute. Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, after hundreds more spectators were permitted to enter the terrace than could safely be accommodated. Mm. The incident resulted in 38 injuries, including broken arms, legs, and ribs. Yikes. Police so not just bruises, bumps no, and bruises. There were, like, nobody, nobody died, thankfully. But people got seriously Crushed, hurt. Yeah. Police believe there had been a real chance of fatalities had swift action not been taken. Okay, so they reacted well. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. They also recommended that the club reduce its capacity. Oh. The incident prompted, prompted Sheffield Wednesday to alter the layout at the Leppings Lane end, okay. dividing the terrace into three separate pens to restrict sideway movement. Okay. Sideways movement. So instead of everybody being in this one huge section, okay. there were three. they're going to section it off. So it kind of... Gotcha. So vert- vertically sort of it was, yeah. Yes. Funneled into three separate yes. areas, yeah. This 1981 change and other later changes to the stadium invalidated the stadium's safety certificate. Oh. The terrace was ultimately divided into five pens when the club was promoted to the first division in 1984. Okay. I have an idea of what that means, yeah, but I we don't go went, into it. Went yes. through that. It means that they did so well that they kind of earned a promotion. Because mm-hmm. we know that you can be promoted or relegated. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And a crush barrier near the access tunnel was removed. Oh, great. In 1986 to improve the flow of fans entering and exiting the central enclosure. Okay. So by the time of the the incident we're, disc- we're discussing, I just mentioned that there were five pens. But by the right. time Hillsborough happens, there are seven. Okay, so they... Yeah, this, this stadium constantly gets worked on. Changed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what one thing I really dislike is the fact that they were called pens. And that is what it they were called. It sounds like cattle. That's kind of yeah. how they were designed. It's, it really is. There is an uncomfortable um, parallel mm-hmm. in crowd disasters between humans and animals. Yes. And... He, like crowd and, behavior and the, ter- and the same yeah. in the same framework almost. yeah yeah because they're literally guiding people yes into pens yes just not with dogs <laughs> with cops yeah and uh turnstiles and things and like not that. doing it with food being doing it with here's a soccer game yeah here's something to watch yeah yeah go into this one that one this one you know yeah. it is yeah it's weird I mean crowd I mean crowd control is a science it is and an art and this this disaster has literally worldwide consequences. Yes, yes. People paid attention to, thankfully, yes, what happened here, and mm-hmm. like that's the thing. Like, like like last week when we went to the hockey game, mm-hmm. yes, I was. This was on my mind, but I don't feel unsafe. There. Right, I, right. I don't. Uh huh. You know, because ev- there's there are e- there are exits and entrances all around the building. Right. And you pretty much because we live here, we know where to go. Right. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, the, the scariest thing about PNC Arena, though, I will say, is when you're up in the upper tier, those stairs feel very yeah, steep. Yeah, they are steep. <laughs> yes, they are. It's a little <laughs> you'll, scary. You'll get a little vertigo up a there. A little bit. Yeah. Um, so after the crush in 1981, where thankfully nobody People died. were injured. Mm-hmm. Huh? Hillsborough was not chosen to host an FA Cup semifinal for six years until 1987. Mm. 
Um, so as I mentioned earlier, they have hosted in this decade, in the 80s, mm. the, the semifinal a total of five times, right. which were 80, 81, 87, 88, Eight, nine. and 89, which yeah. is what we're talking about on so this was the interesting thing to do. This wasn't just a, a soccer match. This was a, a playoff game. Basically, oh yes, right? this yeah. is a, like near the end of the playoffs. Yes, this, this was the, was the second to last. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a big deal game. Serious overcrowding was also observed at the 1987 quarterfinal okay. between Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry City, and again during the semifinal between Coventry City and Leeds United that year. So that year, okay. they hosted both the quarter and the semifinals. semifinals. Liverpool and Nottingham Forest met in the semifinal at Hillsborough in 1988, which I had mentioned right, before. Right. And once again, fans reported crushing at the Leppings Lane end. Really? So a year before this, there was a foreshadowing that this would happen. Liverpool management lodged a complaint before the FA Cup semifinal match in 1989. Hmm. One supporter wrote to the Football Association stating, The whole area was packed, solid to the point where it was impossible to move, and where I and others around me felt considerable concern for our safety. Wow. So a fan felt compelled to be like, look, you've got a problem here. I was actually scared for my safety and that of the people around me. Again, Going back to our fire episodes, our building code episodes, we're building. This was going to happen. Yeah. It was just a matter of when. Yeah. And unfortunately, now we're at when. Yeah. So on April 15th, which was a Saturday. Okay. 1989, the FA Cup semifinal match between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest would take place. The match was sold out. Meaning more than 53,000 fans from the two sides would be headed for Hillsborough for the 3 p.m. kickoff. Now, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the capacity of this place, and it Mm -hmm. is now being expanded to 42, Mm -hmm. but it was like 39 last I heard, Mm -hmm. and 50,000 people are headed Are showing up. Okay. Doesn't mean they're all going. I got Doesn't mean they're all ticketed. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they're all going inside. I gotcha. I gotcha. So despite being a far larger club... Liverpool supporters were allocated to the smaller end of the stadium. Why was that? Do you know? Say it with me. The Leppings Lane. Leppings Lane, yeah. <laughs> end of the stadium. Why would... this Just piss poor planning. Exactly. So that the route... Well, also because of this reason. Also so that the route would not bring them into contact with Nottingham Forest fans arriving from the south. So they were trying to avoid mingling to avoid um, fights or whatnot. Pretty much. I'm guessing, yeah. And, and also for this reason, because at this time, football crowds had been known and had a mm-hmm. reputation for hooliganism yes. and strict segregation was enforced yes. at this time. Yes. I mean, it still goes on. Yeah. But if you look at classic like fan disaster and fan brawls, it's all happening in the UK in the 1980s at fucking soccer matches. Yeah. I mean, uh, some of the more extreme stuff has happened. And like um, we when we were talking about the South African stadium disasters, mm-hmm. we briefly yeah, touched where, on where the guy, guy. Where a guy literally got drawn a, and quartered yeah. and beheaded. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a ref. To my knowledge, and that's stabbed, and there was to my knowledge, that's never happened in the UK. Right, but right, it's more crowd control issues. South American people have their, or uh, South African people have their own issues with crowd Je- control. Jesse's in here. Yes, he is. I guess he was in the closet. Yeah, he came out of the closet. Jesse in the closet. Jesse. So fans began <laughs> arriving 
at the Leppings Lane entrance around okay. noon, as expected. Th- and the game's at 3. At 3 o'clock, yes. So it's like tailgating it's just, well, it's, right? It's literally in a neighborhood. Yeah, People are just so just come and hang hanging out, out and have and, fun and yeah, chat. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, pretty much what we went to last night. Yeah. They had a mm-hmm. block of the city like, cordoned off. Almost and like a block party, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, the Leppings Lane entrance had a limited number of turnstiles, and there mm. were just seven allocated to the 10,000 fans with tickets for the standing terraces. Okay, so seven turnstiles, 10,000 people. It's going to take quite some time to get everybody through. Which is what leads up to the congestion outside. Because everyone's waiting mm-hmm. to get through the turnstile, but not... Yeah. yeah, okay. Once through the turnstiles, supporters would have seen a wide tunnel leading down to the terrace and a sign that read, Standing. Okay, so these people had tickets to stand mm-hmm. in that area, so mm-hmm. they would say, oh, here's where I'm going. This being the West Stand Tunnel that would lead to pens three and four, which were just behind okay. the goal. Okay. Access to other pens was poorly marked. Mm, oh, okay, so there was like five pens or seven? There are seven total. Seven. There is, there are, the involvement of pens are pretty much in this going to be three and four, okay. with people trying to get to one and two. So, so it was just... There were seven pens, but it just wasn't clear that there were seven pens. Everyone just saw, oh, here, which is a very human thing to do. Here's what's right in front of me. Why am I going to go looking for somewhere else? This is where I'm meant to go. Exactly. So, yeah. So, there was also no system for the event mm. to ensure fans were evenly distributed across the pens. Are you kidding? So, no one was standing there being like, here, why don't you go over this way? Even nicely asking. And no way of counting how many were in each pen. Oh, my God. What? Match commander David Duckenfield. Oh God, I know that name. Oh, you're gonna. Get I've into done. Him. I have done research, <clears throat> and that name I know of Duckenfield was new in his posts and had a limited yes, experience of policing football matches. New by like he had been in the post for like 19 days or something. Like literally, he was not known as a footballer, according to his peers. Mm. Now I honestly thought that. Everybody in England was a <laughs> around the world, yeah, other than in the U.S. and Canada, were football fans. No, of course not. I, I, I mean, know there's I, always I know going the to be trope. But. It is very weird. I met a Canadian guy once a long time ago when hockey. I lived in Greenville, <laughs> and I I was like, oh, this dude's from Canada. Like I can talk to him about hockey, and he was not into it at all. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like you're a Canadian male. And he's just like he's just like no he's just like it's just not my thing I'm like well, well yeah it's like no that's that's against the law in Canada <laughs> it's against Canadian and law. this should be against the law in the UK no now for someone who was responsible for crowd control at a football event clearly he should know more about football and events and uh, issues surrounding that than an he average should person. certainly know. What he's about to get into is part. Yes. I think that's part of the problem of this tragedy. He he doesn't quite fully understand what is about to unfold. He doesn't know how to do his fucking job. That too. Yeah. And he also has no vision of this is what happens at a football match. Right. Especially a semifinal. Right. So he was not expecting a response that was potentially going to happen. He probably just had no... Context. He had no context. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's that's the word I was looking for. that That was the exact issue. Police expected supporters to find their own level. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there because under what... I feel like rule number one of effective crowd control is 
don't expect the fans to know what to I think, do I think on their rule own. Rule number one of crowd control is guidance. Yes, yes, control. That's the whole point. You're not expecting self. It's not called crowd self control. No. Jesus. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No, that's okay. Uh, so supporters were to find their own level, quote unquote, <sighs> by spreading out across the pens in search of space, but. <laughs> So they were just expecting people to know, oh, hey, it's too crowded over there. Let me go over here. Right. What what sort of divining nature were they expecting people to have? And obviously, (laughs) this was difficult to do as movement between the pens was by narrow gates at the rear. So uh, at the rear, no less. So once you're in, it's going to be awful hard to get back out. Oh, yeah. Because you're basically in a wave of people. We'll we'll get to that. I don't want to get to that. (laughs) I don't either, but by 2.15 p.m., a crowd of Liverpool fans had started to build outside the Leppings Lane turnstiles. Goodness, Leppings Lane. And overcrowding began to occur. Mm. Progress through the seven turn... Remember, there's seven, seven turnstiles for 10,000 10, people. people. Yeah. was slow, and by 2.30 p.m., just 4,400 people had entered. Less than half, and the game's only 30 minutes away. Meaning, 5,600 fans were set to enter the ground in the half hour before oh, kickoff. God, no. Um, but through seven turnstiles. Mm-hmm. And by this point, because the game's going to start in a half hour, rushing in there to get to their Yeah, people place. are... Well, and this is standing room tickets. Exactly. So people want to get in mm-hmm. there to get a good spot. Oh, God. This is very similar to The Who. Um, concert disaster mm-hmm. where people wanted to get in because it was... Yeah. Sta- like, some people had general admission. Yeah. Oh. Match commander David Duckenfield. Well, David fucking field. And superintendent Bernard Murray discussed delaying the kickoff to allow fans to enter, mm. but decided against it. Mm-hmm. That would be too, too problem solving. Yeah. We, we, expect, d- we don't want to do that. We expect fans to be able to sort it out themselves. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to help them. No. Why would we do that? No. By 2.45 p.m., closed circuit security footage showed... There were thousands of people pressing into the turnstiles oh. and a large and, and alongside a large exit gate called Gate C. Okay. The funnel-shaped nature of the area meant okay. that the congestion was hard yeah. to escape for those at the front. Yes. So yes. imagine a tornado. Mm-hmm. The base of it it's is tiny. very small. Yeah. Uh-huh. And all the pressure is coming down on yes. top of it. Yes. So we have yeah. a human version of that happening here. And horizontal instead of vertical. Well, yes. (laughs) I know what you mean, though. And not an actual tornado, and we're not spinning around. And Yes. Can I also say, I am not a fan of turnstiles. I never have been. I get the idea of, like, counting and Mm -hmm. and ticketing and stuff like that, but turnstiles are a little weird to me. Like, they can literally stop you, Mm -hmm. and they're awkward, I don't like turnstiles. I don't, I don't know. I have a thing for <laughs> against turnstiles. I guess I feel indifferent about them. I've never, I've never thought. <laughs> what is about your it. opinion on turnstiles? <laughs> I enjoy them. <laughs> I enjoy. I celebrate their entire catalog. I, I celebrate <laughs> their entire catalog of turnstiles. I've probably been through every turnstile at PNZ Arena. I wouldn't doubt probably, it. Probably, yeah. Um, so because of, because of this, Ugh. the turnstiles obviously became difficult to operate. Yes. And people were starting to be crushed outside. Uh, against the, the turnstiles and that whole like area. So now. I know what happens next. We are going to open gate C. Yeah. And you're going to get into 
Because this is basically the whole controversy is mm-hmm. who opened this gate. Right. How did it get open? Yes. Yes. Well, we will we'll cover in the aftermath. We're going to be kind of reconstructing certain things. Yeah. yeah. The police officer in charge of the area, Superintendent Roger Marshall, thought somebody was, quote, going to get killed here. Oh, boy. Unless the exit gates were open to alleviate the pressure. He made several requests, and at 2.52 p.m. Eight minutes before kickoff. Mm-hmm. Match commander, again, David Duck- David, what's his last name? Fucking Field. Gave the order, and gate C was opened. Mm. Now, we're going to get into that. This is what happened. Yeah. This is not, this is not what the police stated happened. The, uh, yeah, spoiler alert for next week. This was a fucking cover-up. Like, legit smear campaign cover-up. Horrible. Horrifyingly. So, so, yeah. About 2,000 fans then made their way into the ground, and because of the poor signage, which we had mentioned earlier. They didn't know they were supposed to go to one side or the other or whatever. Most of the fans entering through Gate C headed straight for the tunnel, leading directly to pens three and four. Now, also, crowds take on a a wave like energy. They take on a herding mentality. Yes, just and, like just like animals do. And literally, like no one person is guiding or directing. It becomes a force it's of a flow. Um, yes, of the 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 number of people. So no individual can stop it. No, it's a it's an odd phenomenon. It's it's kind of scary. It happens with a lot. I mean, think of oh, birds. How birds, you know, fly in you know packs of animals. It's the same. We're, yeah. we're, we're, yeah, we're gesturing the mm-hmm. same thing, just mm-hmm. we're humans. That's the right, difference. Right. Um, this influx caused severe crushing in the pens, and fans began climbing over side fences into the relatively less packed adjoining pens to escape. Wow. So to the sides. Yes. They're like, fuck, this is turning serious. All, my option is... I'm close to this side. I can... Which it was also difficult for them to do because the fences mm-hmm. in the pens were constructed in a way to keep people in. So meaning yeah. they didn't just go straight up. They curved, curved. at the top. Yeah. So you were going to have to climb... Up and over. Up and over. Yeah. Which also made it difficult for people on the field to get people out because mm-hmm. how are you going right. to... The whole point of those pens was to keep people exactly where they were. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be difficult. Like, short of barbed wire, <laughs> yeah. like, they were doing what they could to keep people in the pens. Ugh. So, just imagine the amount of energy that... This is essentially two human tornadoes colliding with each other. Mm. So, imagine the amount of energy that that would produce. Yeah. And if you're at the bottom of that... Meaning the front or the sides. Yes. Front especially. Meaning the front mostly. mostly. The front. Yeah, yeah. You're fucked. Completely. You're not escaping uninjured. You might escape with your life if you're fucking lucky. Right. But you're not escaping harm. That is that is for sure. Do you talk about the footage at all? A, a little bit, okay. but we'll get into that. Okay. Um, so at 3 p.m., the game kicked off while fans in the two central pens... Were Three pressed, and four. Yes. Yeah. Were pressed up against the fences and crush barriers. Uh, up near the front. Yes. Because they right had... Right behind the goal, right? Yes. Yeah. They had removed most of them to make it room for more people, but there were still crush barriers up at the very front. Okay. Where the, where the fence was. Okay. So this is kind of where... And I watched two different videos on this. 
watching the actual game footage, nobody on the field had any idea what was happening. Right, and nobody, the players, no. And nobody in the other sections of the stands They're had still, any idea I what know, was happening. I know, I'm with you. They still are just cheering and going along, and because how are you supposed to be noticing the crowd on the other end of the field or whatever? I get that, yeah. And the soccer, or the football the, players... The players are there to play. And they're they, literally they're, like tunnel vision. Their concern is not the yeah. safety. They're like, That's other, not their they're job. like other people are that hired to do that. Job. Like, That's we're here correct. to play a game. Right. So th- nobody... Except for in this, except for in this Leppings Lane entrance and area and pens three and four, really nobody had any fucking clue that this was going this, on. That this was even happening. People were literally dying right behind the right. goalie, yes. who was completely oblivious yeah. to the fact that there are people behind him getting crushed yeah. to death. Yeah, yeah. So one barrier in pen three gave way, mm. causing people to fall on top of each other. Survivors describe seeing people lose consciousness right in front of their eyes. And other survivors described realizing that they were not standing on the concrete in the pens, but that they were standing on people. people. Oh, God. Supporters continued to climb perimeter fences to escape while other fans were dragged to safety by fans in the upper tiers. You'll see this in the videos as well. Yes, they are able to pull People from the upper tier are reaching down to grab anybody they can to get them out of there. Fucking heroes. Can I just say that? That's amazing. So that was the only other section of fans that really knew Knew, what was happening. That started to observe it, and that reacted. That's that's absolutely heroic. Yes. But they were like, fuck, here, this is all we can do. This is literally all we can do. Here, give me your hands. Let me pull you up. Mm -hmm. And they pulled pulled out a lot of people. That's amazing. That's amazing. to some surprise as well, it didn't overcrowd where they were. Because their section was kind of packed, but they just kept pulling people out, pulling people out. Well, yeah, at worst, people could sit on the ledge maybe Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. But but kind of how I was thinking, you might be, you might be, wind up... um, Creating a situation you're trying to solve sure, by bringing all these, sure. but I, but but and and they couldn't bring all that many no. people up. I mean, that's a hard. But job. it's just it's just people being prescient and realizing, holy shit! We like, need to do whatever we do can. Whatever, something mm-hmm. we have to do something. Mm-hmm. So yep. so good on those people. That's amazing. That's actually very inspiring. Yes. That, that's and also, people who had spilled out onto the field went back to the fence and were trying to. Were trying trying to, to pick, oh my yes. god! Yeah, the oh ones that god. were not injured, I'll injured or way. stunned, and some of them I'm sure were injured and just didn't feel it. Right, injured or stunned because mm-hmm. that was something I saw in one documentary. A lady was like, she she was one of the first people to get out. Yes, and she I know was exactly just, who you're talking yes, about. And yes, and she was just like. You could tell in her face. She, she was has, just blank. Mm-hmm. She her 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 mind had just kind of shut down because because of how traumatic what yeah. she had just gone through. She's basically she feeling realizes, PTSD. Like she realizes, like I'm on the field. Why am I on the field? Right. Kind of see that look in her eye. Right. Plus, who knows what partial asphyxiation happened? And, she's, and so she you're said, lightheaded she and said she's she's like I don't know how I got there. She's no like I don't memory, know memory, no recollection. She's like, I so was how just there? How is she supposed to react? Yeah, like there was nothing for her to be able to do. She was just barely hanging on mentally herself. Yeah, this whole thing just I <sighs> I can't so upsetting. It's such an upsetting topic. Yeah. At 3.06 p.m., Superintendent Superintendent, <laughs> Superintendent Roger Greenwood ran onto the pitch and told the referee to stop the game. And you can see that on YouTube as it, well. It's sounding like the superintendent is, has been at least trying. 
that fucking field hasn't been doing a whole fuck of a lot. You'll get into that. Yeah. But this guy is seeing stuff and trying to There were police that reacted responsibly. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, they kind of got washed out in the conversation a little bit. Uh, Oh. To to put it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. They got whited out of the conversation. Uh, Yes. Literally. Mm Mm-hmm. In the chaotic aftermath, supporters tore up advertising banners mm-hmm. to use them as makeshift as stretchers, stretchers yeah. and tried to administer first aid to the injured. The the response of average people at this game, uh, people, well, again, was again, these stunningly are, wonderful. These are Brits. These are they're hardened people. They've been through World War Two. They've been through World War One. But this is a ways after that. I mean, it this is, is, but it's it's in their it's in their DNA. Well, I it is. I'm with you as an American. There is an impression of British people as being the, a very hardy people. Yes. They're fucking battle hardened. Like, like the keep calm and carry on. I'm kind of glad that the of. Brits don't play ice hockey. <laughs> They'd fuck us up, major. <laughs> They'd have a good shot, probably. Yeah. You know, so yeah, we're the delicate little flowers of the world. Well, not all of us, but I mean, compare. America's not super bad. No American generation um, has gone through an actual battle in the United States On since America. the Civil War. That's correct. That's true. Um, 9-11 was a terrorist attack. It yeah, wasn't a battle. Yeah, that wasn't a battle, no. You know, these people have been through their grandfathers, their fathers, their uncles, their, yeah. have been through all sorts of shit. Yeah. So so I, I get that, but I still think it's, it's wonderful and remarkable. When you see average citizens responding with whatever abilities they have it's really it's it's really inspiring it's, just, it's, it's uh, very it's, it's using your surroundings you got to use whatever you can so if yeah. you got if you got to rip off advertising banners and use those as a stretcher fucking so be it you know yeah yep. um mm. the authorities response to the disaster was slow <laughs> and badly we'll coordinated yeah, yeah, yeah. police delayed declaring a major incident yep. You'll get into that. Oh, yes. And staff from South Yorkshire Metropolitan Ambulance Service Mm -hmm. at the ground also failed to recognize and call a major incident. Yeah. Firefighters with cutting gear had difficulty getting into the ground, and although dozens of ambulances were dispatched, access to the pitch was delayed because police were reporting crowd trouble. Yes. Uh, Oh, yeah. I think it's trouble when people are fucking dying. I'm going to say it's trouble when oh you have. If that's not goddamn near negligent homicide, I'm not sure what is. Literally crushed to death. It's almost 100 people. Almost 100 yep. people. Only two ambulances reached the Leppings Lane end of the Jesus, pitch. Yeah. And of the 96 people who died, uh, one did die in the hospital. 95 died at the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay if we just slightly portend what happened to that one person uh well well let me finish this okay 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 sorry but yes we can um so of the 96 people who died only 14 um were ever admitted to the hospital and we'll get into that next time too yeah so so um just to i'll i'll put it in this week because it's a little bit of the uh because 96 is the number and it is an accurate number the, but 95 people actually, like, died on the scene, basically, or very close to it. Um, 
the last person, and, and I'll bring this up next week and name his name. I don't recall it off the top of my head, but I, I do have it in the research. Um, he received, he sustained um, significant brain damage and oh, okay. lived for several years in a persistent vegetative state. Um, until his parents lobbied to be able to legally take away life-sustaining measures. Sure. It, a very um, Terry Schiavo type oh, case. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember you that. You remember that? I yeah. I thought about that in a while. Yep. So we'll get into that a little bit, but he died in 93 mm. after several years, four years of later. being in a persistent vegetative state. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm realizing that last sentence might have confused people. So mm. I said of the 96 people who died... One died in the hospital. Right. Only 14 were ever admitted to the hospital, meaning so where's the other? 13 other people yeah. actually wound up at the hospital more because remember the people who died yes. at the scene, the rest of them. That's good to know because we, we've kind of been trying are, to coordinate where do I need to pick up. The rest yeah. of them are staged mm-hmm. in a local, in a nearby the gymnasium. gymnasium. In the, um, the... Like it's on the campus. Yes. Yeah. State. It's part of the. Gymnasium. It's part of the overall compound. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the so so I feel like this is one of those disasters because it's eighty nine. This was clearly a, a famous match and you know a significant match, um, similar to Bradford City. Which was just a few years before this. It was. Where Bradford City was eighty seven. I'm pretty sure. Six? Okay. I think it may have been six, but I'm not positive. Um, And that was pretty fucking bad. That was like 50 or 60 people that got killed. Oh, God. Something like that, I think. Can I just say, like, once we cover a disaster, I almost forget everything about it. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's just like, okay. (laughs) On to the next one. On to the next one. (laughs) Shut it out of my brain forever. In the words of Ariana Grande, thank you, next. Which is what I want to do with this fucking thing. Like, I, I can't wait to be over with this because it's it's but i but can't it, i just can't imagine and well, what plus what you've happens been so many sporting events i get and that. what happens next is even worse God. than what i just described that's, if the, you that's can, the horrific part if you can imagine that i find so much i find the contrast between what we'll talk about next week and humboldt it's about as oh diametrically God, yeah. opposite, opposite as, as you possible. could be because yes. in Humboldt, the people who caused the problem... Yes. The person... The person. Copped to the entire responsibility, therefore avoiding a trial and a whole dragged out proceeding, was honest, took responsibility, was swiftly sentenced. And to to uh, what was considered, and this was very recent, um, God damn it, I forget. I know I put it on our social media about... Like the um, the number of years he was sentenced to, it actually was only like was eight like, or something. I was gonna say I thought it was five. Okay, it was it was single digit yeah. years that it he wasn't was sentenced a lot. to, and I think it was because for a lot of damn good reasons. And I frankly. think it's because the people, the the parents of the people who died, were... apparently like ninety something people testified on his behalf. Yeah, who who knew the victims or were related to the victims I, or other things. I think things. he got a light sentence because he copped to it. People appreciated that. But do you know it was still a really stiff sentence for what? Sure. So, but, but. But that justice is not what fucking happens here. God, no. And it's still. It's still ongoing. Like to the point where things happened at the beginning of this month that are still breaking news. Mm -hmm. So, but the, 
the thing like of Bradford City that always struck me was there was a soccer match going on, a football match going on, and the the announcer started seeing what was happening and was like, holy shit, mm-hmm. all I can do is start describing this, and this yeah. is horrific. Um, well, because uh, at that point, because you are a journalist to an extent, you're calling a, a game. At there's that literally point, nothing else you can do but at state that point what's you have to on. become a, like an actual journalist journalist an investigative, and investigative on yep, what is happening yeah. mm-hmm. you know uh, second by second and that's, because you, because you're the only filter yes at uh-huh. that point and that happened in um in this case too yes it did it, the the announcers couldn't figure out what the hell was going on of at course first. not how could they right but once they did, they started describing what was happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the footage, um, and they were being completely professional about it. Yes. Yes. The, the footage, um, of Hillsborough is widely available. Um, yes, it is. I do not recommend looking at it. If you no. have any sort of, no. um, sensitivity towards this, um, there is, I mean, you are watching, you You're can watching people die. See, you can see people dying. You can see people dying. You, you can, can see people being carried off that you know are dead. You can tell who in the front is dead. Yeah, like you see the life literally leave their faces. Uh, one thing I watched today, and I saw it. I did not see the scene before mm. until today. I saw two different people getting carried off, and you could just tell by how their bodies were. They were dead. They weren't. Yeah. There was no. But you know, here's there, where there was the, no. They, they just literally looked like lumps, ragdolls being, being yeah. carried off. That's that's the because um, there are people who are like, you know, look, I want no part of that shit. I don't want to see it. That's highly upsetting. I have zero oh, yeah. problem with that. I completely I understand. I don't want to see it. I just but saw you know it what's, for you know what's so weird. Mm. I am drawn to stuff like that. And but let me explain why. No, I understand. No, but. But I, it's not morbid curiosity, because we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like when there is, like, footage of, of people dying, like in this case, that watching it is almost an honor or an acknowledgement of what happened. Sure. And I know this, this, this no, might I, seem really twisted, but no, just me. the idea that, like... These people were getting suffocated to death and or crushed to death. Or well yes, but they were and- they were alone, you know. And so I feel like when you confront what happened to somebody in such a horrific manner, I know it's not literally being there with them, but like my biggest thing about death it, my feeling about death is that people shouldn't have to face it alone. Sure. They should be surrounded by support. We're all going to have to go through it. But to die in fear, to die alone, that's pretty much the worst last bit of your life I can imagine. Sure. So there's, and I am not a spiritual person. You know that. I'm, I'm not religious and I'm also not spiritual. But there's something about watching footage like that and and myself looking at somebody who's dying this is going to sound so fucked up but that i feel like i'm saying i'm so sorry but i'm here and i'm watching this and i'm confronting this and i i am going through 
I'm, I'm, I'm deliberately putting myself through some sort of distress, emotional distress watching this. Well, yeah, because to honor you. Well, and that's, I mean, I, I understand it completely. And the way I feel about watching that is acknowledging that, that, that was a life that was somebody's life that was just extinguished for, for stupidity and lack of planning and, and, but it's, you know what? It's not because yes, we're going to get into all of that stuff and how unjust all of this was, but like when it comes down to it, the inevitability of death under whatever circumstances, like at that moment, like no one should have to be alone. Yeah. Like that's just that's the saddest thing I can think of unless they choose it. Some people sure. do choose it. Yeah. But you know, obviously these people did not choose what happened to them and that is horrific and it is horribly unjust. We will get into all of that next week and oh my god is this the most morbid thing ever. But I'm I we took a little break and now I'm on to a 9.2%er. <laughs> it is April 12th. I am a tax preparer. And God damn it, we're she's allowed to cry. Problems. God damn it, I'm not crying. I I I'm I, up a little bit. I I'm did uh, a couple of times watching several documentaries. It's I was really just upsetting. like, it gets to you. And you it's know just, what? Because 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 the whole thing could have been avoided. That's it, that's, that's, that's the, the injustice whole, of it. Yes. But you know what? What also gets me is some of these documentaries and stuff where they interview survivors. Yeah, or, that's the fucking worst. Oh my god! Yeah. Or the parents of the kids who, because a lot of something you didn't touch on was how young most of these people were. Well, I was thinking we'll that into. you might yes, because I will because I, will, I know I a tradition at the stadium is the kids go to the front. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, we'll get into that, but. Uh, but uh, keep that in mind. But please don't keep that in mind. It's so awful. But it it's it's part of the reason that many of the victims were so young. But because this is still going on thirty years later, to see people break down discussing this thirty years after the fact. I saw police break down discussing yes, this. It's what shows. How horrific this was. This is not something you get over. No. It's not something you move on from. Something will be with you forever. It is literally a part of you and your psyche and and everything for the rest of your life. And that's how horrific it was. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is the biggest testament of that is how... Um, how much suffering the survivors had to go through. How savage it was. Yeah. Just, it was... It was... um, it was a bit like the Hunger Games. It was like everybody is trying to yes, without but, the but, malice, and there what, was no exactly, malice. and without a prize actually. With the with the people who were actually involved in the crushing, they had no, no. the people at the back. It was just can a, you imagine no, being a person I at can't. the back who's fine, who, had who no, survived, who had no clue what happened, and having to live with the fact, holy fucking shit, I was shit, a part of this. I was a part of this. Absolutely no fault, right? No, we know that. Oh Zero yeah, fault. they had no. I mean, there there were. Um, on one documentary I watched, they had witnesses that were still standing outside of at Lepping's Lane, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We couldn't see the turnstile. We were just trying. No they, they, we had no idea what was happening." That's that's just, the thing. Just like the the Who concert disaster, yep. they p- people who were doing the big push, mm-hmm. like the one they didn't two. Know what the they fuck didn't know. was going yeah, on? They didn't know. And that's the thing is that like, but that's that's the horrible thing between knowing one thing and feeling another thing, is that you. They, mean, Everybody, everybody found out on the news about three hours later what the and fuck had happened. Everybody, thirty years is still fucked up over this, and, and it's, it's completely and it's understandable. Still going on. 
Oh, my God. Okay, we're done. We need to stop. Yes, we do. Because I still have to work tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is awful. This is awful. And I just spilled beer. It's okay. It is your outro. Oh, yes. So, (laughs) this has been a terrible, horrible, awful, no good, so sad edition of uh, Hillsborough Part 1. Another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week. I would like to go ahead and say, let's not do our tagline. Well, out of respect. Agreed. For the 96 people who died on this day 30 years ago, you did nothing wrong. Exactly. It was not your fault. And we're so goddamn sorry it happened to you. That's horrible. And uh, yes, we'll see you next week. Go ahead, get the last word in. You are shaking your head. You're not going to do it for me.